And you can all be seated. Good morning, everybody. We will be praying together momentarily. In the meantime, it's good to be in house. What an active, active day uh, for me. I wasn't here until about 9.40, and the reason for that is I was actually tuning in to uh, my friend's church up in Iceland. He, they, they had their service at 11 o'clock, which is 7, 7 a.m. our time, four hours difference. Uh, but uh, they uh, reached a topic which is uh, very bold. And I knew that Pastor Gunnar will be doing that. He's back from a two-month uh, two sabbatical this, this Sunday. And uh, I'm going to post that on AndreBurningYear.com. It'll be the first thing you see. I've yet to use Pastor's blog, but I'm going to put that on there so you can uh, view it if you'd like. He did a wonderful job. The sermon title, What Jesus uh, Has to Say About Abortion. Wow. And talk about a very timely subject matter. And he mentioned up there that uh, because of our overturning Roe v. Wade, it's become a worldwide discussion, even in Iceland. And uh, he he just did a just did a fantastic job, and I encourage you to take a look at it. But he handled it as the Bible tells us to handle every topic, even controversial ones, with with grace, with love, and uh, with respect. Uh, but it's also it's a biblical view, and brings in all kinds of scriptures. I was just fascinated by it. Um, and uh, for those of you who don't know, I will be traveling to Iceland uh, in October and uh, to encourage the people at Lofstofan and uh, to say hello to friends I haven't seen in four, four and a half, five years. Uh, and really the pandemic uh, took its toll on, on travel and restrictions. Well, all those restrictions are gone, fortunately, now. And now I can go. And... Wouldn't you know, a week after I made my reservations, guess what blew its top again? Fardalsviak, which was, and I, I, I want to try to say that, Fardalsviak. That's the volcano. The volcano, the fissure opened up again after 20,000 earthquakes um, last weekend. And uh, so we knew something was up, and sure enough, on, I think it was Wednesday morning, the fissure opened up and lava started flowing out, and a friend of mine went, uh, did a live uh, Instagram feed from where the lava was coming right up to his feet. So I'm hoping, I'm actually going to get to see an erupting volcano. Chances are it'll still be going in October, so we'll see. Uh, so there's, there's just a ton going on. Before we get into a ton more, let me tell you some more news that's uh, related to here. As you know, we have a prayer team that meets at the, the doorways on the way out. Um, and uh, if perhaps you're uncomfortable with actually going to a prayer uh, member team, or a team member and you'd rather just write it down, there's going to be a method for you to do that. And uh, just watch for this sign. Let me read it to you. It says, when your head starts to worry and your mind just can't rest, put your prayers down on paper and let God do the rest. And so there'll be a, a box. You can write it down, leave it anonymously. You can write down your name if you like, doesn't matter. But we want to find absolutely every way possible to join with you in prayer. And Diane, if you go ahead and come on up here and uh, thank you so much, go ahead and, and Put this where the folks will find it at the doorways. Uh, this is a house of prayer. Amen. Anybody? Oh, forecast. You need a forecast, right? It's hot and humid. I uh, thought about preaching without my, my suit jacket on today. I thought, mm, I think, okay, I think it's okay. Uh, but man, oh man, is it toasty out there and is it muggy? Uh, the dew points are very high. It's uh, the kind of weather where you just stand outside and you start to sweat. But I got good news. At the end of this coming week, beginning Wednesday, it's going to cool off. It's going to dry out. My ideal, my heavenly temperature 
is 77 for the high and dew points that are in the 40s. And that's what's coming. And I can't wait. I'm, I know some of you are summer weather fans and some of you are going, boo. But uh, that's okay. That's what makes living in Northeast Ohio so much fun because we get virtually everything. Uh, I'd like to also right now welcome everybody who is watching online. And would you give everybody uh, a hand? Those of you that are here, give them a hand that are watching online. We're glad that you're here. And uh, we welcome you. If you're in the area and you're just checking us out online, come on down. We want to have the chance to, uh, to meet you and say hello to you. And Or if you're in the area, maybe make a, 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 a visit sometime. My very good friend Alex Price is here. He wrote a book uh, that uh, I so enjoyed, and he, he and his family and his twin brothers here. And so good to have you here again today, and everybody else who m might be visiting. Are there any visitors today? May I embarrass you by having you lift your hand up if you're visiting for the first time? Hey, all right. Yay. Way to go. Cool. I look forward to meeting you. All right. Well, we're in a series. This is the second week of a six-part series called What's So Important? Uh, what's so important about what? What's so important about the local church? Now, we're going to look at the definition of it coming up today. And our scripture reference, and we'll be reading this together. Sometimes we do it up front. Sometimes we do it a little bit later, but today I would like to read this up front. So as you're able, and if you're able, uh, stand with me for the reading of the word, which is going to be from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. I will be reading today from the New Living Translation. By the way, all of the notes are available on the Bible app, version. Just click on More Events, first one that pops up. All of the notes that I'll be preaching from today, and you can follow along, would be from the YouVersion app on your phone. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him because, or becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you are Gentiles, uh, are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. <clears throat> Father, we are so grateful and thankful for your word. Thank you for telling us just exactly what your thoughts are uh, on the church, just the, the church in general, the church you're building globally, but also the local gathering of the church. We thank you that you gave us so much on which to come together every Sunday and to worship you and to sharpen each other, to encourage each other, to pray for each other, and so much more, including um, the uh, all of what you told us to do, including communion, which we will, be, we will be doing today, together. That's what you had in mind. Now, help us as we look at this particular aspect of the church. Help me to not preach my words, nothing that I think, but help me to stick true to your idea of the church, your leading and guiding as you guide my tongue. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Have a seat, everybody. Toward the end of the message, I'm going to ask you if you have your elements uh, with you. If you don't, not to worry. We're going to take care of you. We've got somebody in just a little while um, that will come around with the elements so that you, can too, can participate. Well, pretty soon, <clears throat> the weather's going to start to cool off. 
Well, we're going to cool off this week, but that's just a precursor. We're still in the month of August. You don't need a meteorologist to tell you that we're in the dog days. And August can still be warm. And September can still be warm. In fact, the warmest stretch, just as a side note, the, the longest warmest stretch of temperatures that stayed over 100 degrees for the high was in early September. And that was in 1953. I was not yet here on this earth. Uh, so we're not quite done with, with the heat, but, you know, as we start pushing towards September, things start to cool off, and of course a lot more often in the month of October. So where is this leading to? Well, this is leading to that time of year when the weather seems to point to a gathering that many of us will partake in. These are groups that cheer on the Cleveland Browns. I hear some nervous laughter. Now, certainly you're not Pittsburgh Steelers fans. This is Hall of Fame weekend, by the way. You do know that, right? So, no Pittsburgh. Curtis, Curtis, no Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Oh, man. We need to forgive Curtis. They're going to have a tough year this year without without good old Ben. Then again, the Browns will have an interesting year. Anyway, this is the, the, the time of year pretty soon where we're going to be gathering. It's safe to say that assuming, let's just assume you're, you're gathering in your home and you're a football fan. Some are not. That's okay. I don't watch a whole lot of football anymore, uh, but I do occasionally tune in. But it's safe to say that your, let's call it a pod, your pod of Cleveland Browns fans will be one of many. What about the other thousands of other congregates for games in various other places, including the Cleveland Browns? Did you know that there's a Cleveland Browns uh, fan club in Tampa, Florida? And in Lakewood Ranch, Florida, how do I know that? Bill Martin tells me that. He's now retired down there in, in Florida. So there are Cleveland Browns fans all over the place. But I would imagine that there's a Seattle Seahawks fan club in Cleveland. Or, I, I'm sorry, Curtis, but there are no Pittsburgh Steelers fan clubs in Cleveland. There are just none. You're going to have to start one, and you're, you're the only one who's going to be a part of it. But these pods are going to get together. But let's get back to the Cleveland Browns pods all over the place. The one in Tampa, the one in Lakewood Ranch, and the one in many other places around the country, including Cleveland. The ones outside of Cleveland, are they Browns fans too? Of course, because that's why they get together. So in the same way, the New Testament talks about something called the ecclesia. I'm going to show you the, the word up here. This is the Greek word ecclesia. Ecclesia is, is there it is. It's uh, in the Bible 114 times. And it, the, the, the definition of ecclesia is interesting. And ecclesia is very, very uh, familiar to me because my first language is French. And the word for church in French is église, and it comes from the Greek word ecclesia. And so it's mentioned 114 times in the New Testament. Ecclesia, the breakdown, the, the definition, one of the primary definitions of ecclesia is called out ones. It doesn't make reference to a physical building. It doesn't make reference to a cathedral. It doesn't make reference to a physical place. It makes reference to a group or a pod of people, if you will. It makes reference to us. We are the ecclesia. This word, ecclesia, used outside of the faith world, often refers to a group of people brought together to accomplish something. That's the Greek word ekklesia. 
it doesn't have just a spiritual definition. They use this Greek word in the secular world, and it's basically a group of people who are coming together with a common cause to get something done. But when God uses this word in Scripture, there's actually a double meaning. What do I mean by double meaning? Well, just like the Browns fans, Ecclesia, the church, is both local, right here, New Promise Church, this group of believers, but it's also universal, meaning everybody in the whole globe who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ is the church. It's something that Christ himself has built. So every time the church is mentioned, there is a double meaning implied throughout the New Testament. Now, the local context, that's pretty much where we're going to be spending today. This whole series is all about why we should be coming together as a local church. And for the next six weeks, we'll be studying that. Last week, we looked at... Um, fellowship and what that fellowship looks like. Why do we fellowship? And one of the reasons is, well, you have a gift and you are to use that gift in the church to encourage or if you're musically inclined to be up here to lead in worship or if it's with kids to participate in, in some, of the, some of the kids' ministries or uh, if uh, you are somebody who is a great pastry chef. Well, guess what? We got a place for you in the kitchen after the service. There's always a place for every believer because you are given a gift, and that gift is meant to minister to the local church. And guess what? You feel really satisfied when you put your gift in action. And if you don't know what your gift is, as I mentioned last week, let us help you to explore that. We, we can help you do that. No problem at all. Now, in the universal context, again, it's all believers everywhere as the expression of the body of Christ. It is the church with a capital C, meaning everywhere, global. But today, my focus is not going to be the universal church, as I mentioned. My focus is going to be on the gathering of believers right here, me and you at New Promise Church. So, today, number two, we looked at fellowship week one. Today, we're going to look at the definition of the church. Now, that sounds kind of boring, but it won't be. I promise you, because I promise that's going to minister to you and help you to understand what it is God thinks about the local church and how it is this all works together so that we all have a greater awareness of what God had, has called all of us to do as a body of believers together right here, this collection in Kirtland, Ohio. And I'll, I'm actually going to be expanding a little bit. If you remember two, uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Nick preached, and he talked about Gideon. Well, I'm going to be expanding a little bit or building upon that. If you remember that, I want you to keep that running in the background, and we will be using that as a bit of a platform to take a look at the definition of the church. And by the way, if you missed it, if you missed Pastor Nick, it's online. Go to newpromisechurch.com and click on media, and uh, I believe it's, it's a one-off. It's one of those screenshots. So you'll see it's Gideon. Click on it. Go check it out. It's really cool, and you, you will see the connection that we're going to make here today and why I say that's a platform on which we're going to build today looking at what is so important about coming together as the church. So when God calls us the church, right here, New Promise Church, when God calls us the church, not the global church, but the church, right here. Four things come to mind and four things come to focus, and we will be looking at those four things today. I encourage you 
if you're not on the Version Bible app, to scribble these down and to meditate on them this week and write down the scripture references. Go visit them and meditate on those this week. I think this is going to really help you to build on what it is we're doing in this six-week series and showing you just exactly how important it is that we get together every single Sunday. So each of these four things gets an absolutely huge infusion of inspiration when we come together the first day of the week. Number one. There's number one. We are called out. That comes from the Greek, one of the Greek definitions of ecclesia. We are called out. We are called out with a common cause. We are called out with a common purpose. Purpose is going to be something we look at a little bit later in the series. So, we are called out. Verse 19 in, in, today's, um, in today's scripture reading, which is from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. How have we become citizens of heaven? How have we done that? Well, we, first of all, we did not do it. A person, an actual person, physical person, God become flesh, made the way, and he paved the way through the gift of his crucifixion and resurrection. Remember, I always say without the resurrection, it's like having an, an exclamation point without the point at the end of it. It's just a line. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything. But the resurrection finishes that exclamation point. Now, through this gift, we are called to be... Now, this is an interesting word in the King James Version. And, and I like the King James in this particular translation because it's true. We are called to be a peculiar people. How many people have ever come across uh, maybe a family member or a friend who know you as a Christian who won't partake in some of the things that they partake in, and they call you, you are just so strange. You are just so peculiar. How many people have ever come across that? Yeah, I have. You're just, you know, you're peculiar. What, you know what, that's a, that's a badge of honor because it says that you are called out. You are separated. You are pulled away from the world, the whirlpool. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 says, But ye are a chosen generation. That's you, every single one of you. A royal priesthood. You're a priest, every single one of you. Would you get that? You're a priest. You're a holy nation. Well, sometimes I don't feel very holy. Well, yeah, we, we are still flawed people on this side of eternity. We're still being perfected. Of course, our perfected body is yet to be. But yet God sees us through Christ, the lens of Christ, and he sees us as a holy nation. That's sobering. And also it goes on, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy through Christ. Christ is the lens through which God sees us. He sees us as a holy nation. And let's always try to, to um, act like that. And when we do, the world will see us as strange, peculiar. And that's okay. Why? Because we have been, we go back to the first focus, we have been called out. Called out of what? Called out of the world system. Who does the world system belong to right now? It's our enemy. 
And so, essentially, we have expatriated from the world. And we become citizens of heaven. And I know I've done this again. I'll do it. I'll do it one more time. The Lord, in his prayer, the Lord's prayer, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how, how do we do that? Well, that's through the Holy Church. We are to operate on earth as if we're in the kingdom of heaven. Now, we don't do that all the time. We're flawed people. I understand that. But we are peculiar people in the sense that we've been called out and increasingly so, we are to operate as though we are in heaven. Bring heaven on earth in a dimension, in a dimension that the world can see it. All right, number two, we are brought in. We are brought in. So we are called out. But if we're called out and scattered all over the place, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if we're trying to accomplish something together. So we're called out, and then we're brought in. Let's look at verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 2, especially the first part of it. Together, that's a great word, and that's what we are here this morning. Together, we are his house, built on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You see, when somebody becomes a Christian, he or she doesn't join a church just because it's a good habit for growing in spiritual disciplines. That's not to say that that doesn't happen. It does. But it's, it's way more than just a good habit. Instead, that person joins you all, have joined a local church, because it is the expression, the very expression of what Christ has made them. That is, a member of the body of Christ. We are a holy nation. That's the way God sees us, through the lens of Christ. And we are called out and brought together. When you're called out to do something, and if you can't find other people in, in the secular sense, and you can't find other people to help you to get where you're called out to do, it's pretty tough. But when you're called out and then brought together with an assembly of people, like the Browns fans, to cheer on the Browns, together, unified, that, that that's a secular look at ecclesia. But of course, it goes way beyond that when it talks about church. So we are called out, brought together like we are here on this Sunday morning. Why? Because we all have the same goal in mind. To learn more about God, to look more like God, to act more like God, and to worship God with everything that we have because he gave everything he had to build his church, his ecclesia. Third thing, we are to stand confidently. We are to stand confidently. Again, all of this makes reference to Ephesians chapter 2. And for that, we go to the second part of verse 20. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Now, Pastor Nick, two weeks ago, preached on this very topic when he talked about the confidence that Gideon had. Now, hang on a second. Gideon wasn't always a very confident kind of guy. He was the guy in, in the wine press threshing wheat. You don't do that. You don't, you don't thresh your, or you, you don't winnow your wheat in a wine press. Unless you're trying to hide from the enemy while you're doing it, because the wine press apparently was was a pit. If you threshed your wheat out in the open, they'd see that you were threshing your wheat out the open, and the enemy would come and plunder you. So he did it 
he did it like to use a term like it like a Freddy cat. Hoping nobody sees him winnowing his wheat. And then God spoke to him and said, basically, you're a strong and courageous warrior. And just imagine Gideon's response. Who? Me? <laughs> well, yeah. But God was seeing something in him. He was pulling him into a higher plane. And, of course, in the process, he had thousands, which were winnowed a whole lot. And then they went to, to drink out of, you know, he, he brought his troops to, to get refreshed. And God told them, make sure that, that you only take the ones that are doing this and not the ones that had their head down drinking the water. And they went down from thousands to 300. They're going to defeat a, 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 an army that is voluminous beyond what we can even imagine with 300. But Gideon stood on the cornerstone that was set before him. God says, I will give you the victory. He was called to stand up. He was called to stand up confidently. That was not his own strength. That was not Gideon's own strength. So how else could he have led that successful campaign with only 300 men? It was through faith in God. He was standing on, at that time, cornerstone of faith. How much more confident should we be when we stand up as a church to all of the lies and the threats of the world. And we may not get them specifically here, but look at the whole globe. The world hates the church because we've been called out. We've been called out. But we stand in confidence of the one who called us out because he will be victorious and he will deliver us. I'm going to say one thing, and I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to get what I'm trying to tell you. If not, pull me aside after the service, and I'll tell you. But we must, as a church, New Promise Church, stand confidently together. Remember the old saying, fooled me once, shame on you. Fooled us twice. I'm saying from this pulpit, ain't going to happen. All right? Not going to happen. This group of people will do as God says every Sunday. I don't care what the world tells us. We will be here. I'll be here if nobody is in the pulpit or nobody's in these chairs. But I trust that you will be here. Because God tells us to do that. I could tell you stories. I was hoping to get a story from um, a pastor, Manuel Johnson, uh, in California. And, uh, and uh, unfortunately, he didn't have the opportunity of the time window to, to Zoom call with me. But uh, this is just, just a quick little story of Manuel Johnson in California. Manuel, uh, during the pandemic, of course, in California, they shut down everything, including all the churches. You can't get together. You can't get together. You can't get together. And he said, no, we're the church. We have a constitutional right to assemble. We're going we're gonna to hold church. You want to come? That's fine. You don't want to come? That's fine. He kept his doors open. Well, one day, one Sunday, he was surrounded by cop cars. Lights going on, sheriff comes up to him, calls him out, and he goes, sir, are you going to continue to, to keep your doors open? And he says, we're the church. God tells us to get together. We obey God. It, by the way, if you want to come in and worship with us, you can. He says, you mean to tell me that you're not going to close your doors? And he goes, we'll be here every Sunday, every Sunday. And then he looked him. Of course, he was shaking in his boots at that point, going, "Yeah, they'll probably cuff me and t- carry me out." 
the sheriff looked at him. The sheriff, by the way, works for the people, not the government. The sheriff works for the people. And he looked at him with all of these cop cars all around him. He says, sir, we're not going to bother you anymore. We're taking off. See ya. And they took off. And they never once closed their doors. That is standing on faith. That's standing on God's promises. Yeah, amen to that. <clears throat> Fool me once, shame on you. Fool us twice, not going to happen. Amen? We must stand confidently together within the local church. None of us, by the way, have the right to disassociate ourselves from the local church because you don't like someone. You don't like the music. You don't like the pastor. Uh, why? Why don't you have don't you have it right? No, you don't have a right. Because the church isn't about the people up here. It's not about the music. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the elders. It's not about the coffee or the donuts that are served after church. It's about none of those things. It's about Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone on which we stand, and we are to, told to stand confidently. And finally, and by the way, remember, this is, this is the message I told you that the Lord told me to change these last two points. Because the first two, were just, it was like putting a square peg into a round hole. And it was on my drive into work one day. He gave me the two points, and I thought, this is good. Please let me remember this. And I immediately wrote, wrote it down. So these are the two points, number three and number four, that are the Lord's doing, not mine. And I pray that it is his doing and not mine through the Holy Spirit. Number four, we are to be unified. We are to be unified. Again, we're to be called out. Well, if we're called out but not brought together, it makes no sense. But we are called to be brought in. We are called out, brought in, stand confidently on what? On the cornerstone, which is Christ. That's why we meet. We don't meet for any other reason. If you like the music, great. If, if you like the pastor, hopefully you'll, some of you like the pastor anyway, great. But even if you don't like the pastor or don't like the music or you don't like the coffee that's being offered, it doesn't matter because that's not what we're here for. We're here to stand on Christ and Christ alone. And then after that, we are to be unified. Go with me to verse 21 as we begin to wrap things up and get ready for communion. We are carefully joined together. That's it. I want you to, to key in on that. We are carefully, not haphazardly, not just randomly, carefully. We are carefully joined together in him, in Christ, the cornerstone, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. You are a holy temple. You're a holy nation. That's how God sees us together. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. He opened up salvation to everybody, not just the Jewish nation. The whole world now, through Christ. One of the ways the world will recognize the power of God through us is by seeing all of us walking in sync, arm in arm, having the same purpose and having the same direction. And by the way, Jesus prayed for that very same, that very thing in John chapter 17 when he prayed for the church, the church that was still yet to come. That's us. Look for it. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, Jesus prayed that we would be unified, that we would walk together. None of us can be an effective solo island unto ourselves. We talked a little bit about that last week, where you know, we, we maybe know some people that say, I don't do church. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, but I worship on Sunday morning 
wherever, at the golf course, at the bowling alley, at the, at, at the Browns game, or wherever. We're not called to do this by ourselves for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is that you've got a gift that you're supposed to be giving the church. They have gifts that are supposed to be ministering to you. We're supposed to be doing life together. Before Christ's ministry, earthly ministry, God made his dwelling on Mount Zion. And then inside the Holy of Holies in the temple, of that Jewish temple. But now that Jesus, the very Son of God, makes himself available to live inside of you, God's Spirit no longer dwells in that physical temple or habitation. It resides inside each and every single one of us. So we're all connected all connected together, called out, brought in, stand confidently, and unified. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, all, everybody say all, all of you together, everybody say together, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Let New Promise Church, this local group of believers known as the local church, take its playbook from the early church in the book of Acts. And I'm going to point to Acts chapter 2, verse 47 where it says, all the while praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let this be a place of growth. Backtrack. Let this be a place where the world sees something very attractive about us. They see something, yes, peculiar, Maybe a little strange to what the world standards are, but in a way that is so attractive that they say they want to be a part of it, that they want what you have. What do you have? Well, hopefully that's Jesus inside of you, and you've received the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And it's in that vein that together as a body of believers, one of the ordinances that we do together is communion. So we're about to approach the communion table, something that Jesus told us to do until he returns. We're about to do this together. Now, if there's any anybody here who does not have their elements, please raise your hands so that we can make sure that if you'd like to participate uh, with us to do so. Now, if you're not a believer yet, I would caution you to, to let the elements pass you by. There's no shame in that. There is not. But it would be disingenuous of you to participate in this. But do consider everything that we preach here and the fact that we are a peculiar people called out together to stand on the cornerstone who is Christ and to be unified. And in that vein, that's how we are approaching the communion table. Is there anybody who needs the elements? Please raise your hand. We have them in the back. Everybody have the elements that they need? Okay. Sometimes these things, I have to really make sure my eyeglasses are on because I accidentally pull off the top without pulling off the, the bread. And then you can't get the bread out. So everybody pull, pull their element out, their bread out. And at the Last Supper before Jesus was crucified, he proceeded to tell the disciples that this is something that he wanted them and every believer to do until he returned. He said, as he broke the bread, and I'm going to ask you to break it in half. He broke the bread, blessed it, gave it to his disciples, and said, this is my body given to you so that you can have eternal life. 
take, eat, and remember Christ's body on the cross for you. And after supper was ended, he then took the cup, he gave thanks for it, and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood, a representation of my blood, which will be shed and poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Anytime you do this, do this in remembrance of me, he said. And by the way, as I have always said, and will remind you, that you don't need to do you don't need to wait for the first sunday of the month to do this together you can do this at home even every day jesus said as often as you do this he didn't say do it the first sunday or do it every sunday as often as you do that you may be someone who needs to have communion every day for strength and focus on the lord then do it But until he comes, let's raise our cup. Thank God for the blood that he shed. Let's all take, drink, and remember what he did for us. Reminder, we are the church. We are the local church, part of the universal church. Yeah, we're a part of the global community who believes in Jesus. But we are called out. We are brought in. We are to stand confidently. And we are to be unified. The definition of the church. I hope you're finding this helpful. And uh, next week, we'll continue with another aspect of why it is we do what we do. What's so important about the church? There's a lot. And uh, we're only scratching the tip of the iceberg, but I hope you found this helpful. Let's pray, and then we'll see what's going on at New Promise Church. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you for the ordinances that uh, we get to participate in together as the church. You are so dear to us because you reached out to us when there was really no hope for us beyond Christ. Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to you except through him. He is our cornerstone, and it's why we are called out together, standing on him and unified in him. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Uh, Lots going on at New Promise Church. Pay attention to your screen. Now let's see. Mark your calendars for our church picnic, August 14th after the service. There are three ways to give at New Promise Church. In person in the offering box at the back of the ministry center, by mailing it in to 8671 Euclid Chardon Road, Kirtland, Ohio, 44094, or online at newpromisechurch.com forward slash give. Save the date for the Fusion Fall Retreat, October 21st through the 23rd, for 6th through 12th graders. This is all-inclusive weekend will cost $75. The Kirtland Community Faith Night was rescheduled for Thursday, the 18th of August. We still need volunteers to hang out at our table. And now you can go to Bible study on Wednesday night and be together on Thursday. Yay! Awana resumes on September 7th. Now is a great time to invite families that you know. Registration forms can be picked up at the Children's Ministry desk. We will be hosting a women's self-defense class. It is four classes on Mondays and Fridays in August. Invite your nieces, cousins, and co-workers to this unique course taught only for women. Girls 13 through 17 need parental consent. If you are wanting someone to pray with you, the prayer team is waiting for you in the back corners of the auditorium. We are so excited to hang out with you on September 9th at the Captain's Game. We will all sit together and enjoy the game and fireworks. Please sign up and pay at the welcome desk so that we know how many seats to get. 
Oh, I like that last slide. Look how colorful that is. I'm about color. It just asked my wife, Sally. Uh, she tells me that I'm, I'm always attracted to polo shirts that are vivid. <laughs> and, and, you know, what about this one? No, it's you know, kind of gray. What about this one? No, it lacks color. Show me a neon green shirt. Oh, yeah, I'm all about that. Quick little funny story before we pray and, and enjoy each other's company. Uh, this morning, uh, I got into the office and, and I have a routine. Went through the routine, but I noticed my, I always keep a pair of eyeglasses, uh, readers, um, on my desk here. I couldn't find them anywhere. I thought, well, thank goodness I keep an extra pair in my, in my satchel, in my briefcase. So I pulled those out and I thought, wait a minute, all week long, there was an extra pair floating around in the house. And I thought, I don't recognize this pair. And I thought, this is strange. It, it just kind of showed up. Well, I, apparently, I put it in my pocket last Sunday, brought it home, put it out, and that's why all of a sudden I had an extra pair floating in the house. Now I know what happened to it. So you're all off the hook. I was going to start, start looking at each one of you. Do you know where my glasses are? But anyway... Uh, a little humor for you. Anyway, let's pray and uh, let's enjoy each other's company. Father, thanks for this day. Uh, thank you that we get to come together as a church, that we are uh, not only honored in doing so, but that we are so excited to come here to learn more about you, to learn how to be more effective for you in this earth, for we know that what we learn here is what we are to put in practice in the world, that it is not just something, it's not a social club. It is boot camp. We are so grateful, though, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, cuts to our marrow so that we can be the kind of people that you want us to be effective, salt and light in the world. Help us to do that now as we go forth Help us to enjoy each other's company now. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, let me ask real quickly, do the chairs, can the chairs stay? Chairs, stay. chairs can stay, so we can all enjoy coffee and donuts now.